0: Hello again, I'm Chris Lee of Southeastern 14. We are continuing our off-season series of just taking a look around the SEC and what is going on at other places. When we do that for Texas a we go to my friend Olin Buchanan of texags.com. Olin, thanks for joining us today. Hope you're well. Anytime. Anytime, Chris. This is brought to you by Bet Online. It's playoff time. The road to Vegas goes through San Francisco and Baltimore. Bet Online is your Bet Online is your number one source for playoff football odds, stats, trends, and lines. With everything from point spreads to hundreds of player performance props, head to Bet Online today. Stay updated on all the action. Bet Online. The game starts here. Okay, Olin, What? What a wild! I don't know. Six months? Four months? Wherever you want to draw that. I mean, really, it's been wild since since probably the end of 2022 when Jimbo Fisher took that vaunted recruiting class, did nothing with it, and then followed it up with a very mediocre campaign this year. What if, what if your last, I don't know, 12, 18 months been on the job as you, you tried to calculate buyouts and NIL <laughs> budgets and all the, all the fun things that went with Texas a and football.
1: Well, you know, there's been so much, uh, to write about speculation, uh, some facts that were or some things that were thought to be facts turned out not to be. And, uh, there's been some, uh, very good reporting, uh, nationally, some that's just not right. Um, all kinds of things. Um, you know, anytime you, you've been through it, anytime you have a coaching search, you know, that's always, uh, keeps you busy and always, uh, has a lot of, re- uh, people respond and then when there's a coaching change you have people within the program that are now more willing to talk and they tell you things but you always have to ask yourself now how much of this is 100 percent accurate how much of it's 50 percent accurate is this is somebody yeah. in, got an axe to grind so um there's never a shortage of of stories and material to work with but you got to be really careful about which ones that you want to uh uh Put out there as fact until you yeah. can, you can get multiple sources to confirm it.
0: Well, look, th- there were some big numbers thrown out there with buyouts and and nil budgets and all kinds of stuff. What what was fact and what was fiction with all that?
1: Uh, well, the fact is, um, they owed Jimbo Fisher like seventy seven million dollars. Uh, it didn't all have to be paid at, the, at once. Uh, they owed him something like seven or maybe it's $11 million. It's been a while now. Uh, Maybe it's 11.2 or 7.2. I can't remember which one of them was within like 30 days of him, uh, you know, being fired. And then another, I guess it was seven and a half and then another seven and a half within 60, within six months. And then it's going to be, he's going to be paid that every year for the next, you know, seven years. Or, or until it gets to be 77 million. So um, it was a, a gamble on AM's part. Uh part. I thought that when they brought in Buzz, it made sense. Hey, we're going to go all in. What I never understood was why you felt the need to, uh, you know, three years into a 10-year guarantee at $7.5 million. Uh. Why did you feel the need to extend it? Now, I get it. What happened then, uh, and Rossby York, who is no longer the athletic director here, he's now at Ohio State. And I get it, look at it from his perspective, you he said, hey, look, I have a coach who just went nine and one. And mm-hmm. um they finished fourth in the country, and LSU's calling to uh try to get him to to go up there. So at that time, Jimbo's popularity was at a peak level here. And if you're the athletic director and he leaves and you didn't do everything you could to keep him, does that get you fired?
0: Yeah. Well,
1: so, but it seems to me, I mean, again, seven million, seven and a half million dollars, and there's still seven years of guaranteed. It would have seemed to me the right move was, hey, we'll give you a bonus for the success here. And we're building everything you've asked for. So if building everything you asked for and a, say a million, million and a half dollar half dollar bonus and a seven and a half million dollar contract guaranteed for seven years isn't enough to keep you well then hey best of luck wherever you're going um but it's easy to say that now if you and, and especially if you weren't in ross's position but um so um yeah and, and so when they hired mike yoko they they made a, a con- gave him a contract that made a lot more sense. He's going to make like seven million a year, and I think you want to be a place where you're going to where you're known for paying your coach really well. But uh, there's a lot of incentives in his deal, and if he wins a national championship, he could win he could make eleven million dollars in a year. Well, the, a national championship coach shouldn't uh, make eleven million dollars when you can see what other guys are making, but. AM finally said, Hey, you know, we're going to pay you like a national championship winning coach if you win a national championship, yeah. not because you did it somewhere else. And yeah. uh, that was a good move toward, you know, a little more fiscal responsibility.
0: Now, AM has yeah. a lot of
1: money, so they don't always have to be fiscally responsible, but uh, it it was a deal that made a lot more sense, obviously. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I think that that does too. I'm with you there. How do we get in a world where people are bidding against
1: themselves to keep people like you and I? <laughs> I wish I could, you know, uh, you know, I say, Hey, we'll, we'll, buy you lunch, but, uh, right. <laughs> but don't go anywhere too good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, um, can, can Mike Elko take A to, to good places? That that's an interesting thing because we saw that the Stoops dynamic of the search that that was pretty fascinating how that played out over weekend. Uh, where did he fall in their pecking order choices? What what's the upside for him? For for Mike,
1: I think yeah. it was uh, look everybody got a little bit infatuated with Kalen DeBoer when you know and why mm-hmm. not? And then he said, look, I'm I'm staying. Uh, at Washington. So got it. But I think had there never been an infatuation with him at all, had that never, I think for the vast majority, uh, and I'm talking about from the, you know, from the everyday fan to the board of regents, Mike Yolko was, what was the, the, the pick, the guy they liked. And you saw that when, you know, Ross went out and offered the, it felt like as athletic director, he was in a position to make a, uh, you know, to offer a job and offered it to uh, Mark Stoops. And then you saw the immediate reaction to that was, no, if you're going to go that direction, why would you run off a coach who struggles offensively to bring in a coach who has struggled offensively? Yeah. So, uh, plus, you know, Mike, uh, everybody loved what he did here as defensive coordinator for three years. Uh, it was excellent. He wasn't infallible, but he he did a great job here. And then to go to Duke, and I believe they won nine games his first year at Duke, and they probably would have done it this year had uh, his quarterback not gotten hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, they ain't close to beating Notre Dame, and then their quarterback gotten hurt got hurt, and I think they finally lost that game on the like the last player close to it, right in the last minute. So uh, he did some really good things at Duke, and historically. If you can win at Duke, you can win at a lot of places. I can in the last fifty years, and Chris, you might be able to tell me I'm right or wrong on this. But the last fifty years, it seems like the only coaches that have been successful at Duke are Mike Elko, um, uh, David Cutcliffe, and Steve Spurrier.
0: Yeah, that that's the list. I mean, Duke was one of the worst and worst for football till Spurrier took it to a new level. Then he was gone. Duke went kind of back to what it was. Cutcliffe got him respectability, and then Elko took a situation. I think f- seemed to flip it a lot quicker. I don't know that anybody had any expectations for Duke a couple of years ago, and they they were they were right there beating good teams for two years. Yeah.
1: So you bring, so you look at a guy that everybody here was liked, and uh, then he's seem you know do pretty well at a place like Duke that's not known for having you know a great football program. And you say, hey, you know, we like you here. You want to come here. You're willing to take a contract that makes more sense. Um, look, he's not going to go broke. I mean, $7 million a year is a heck of a, a deal. But, you know, if, if you win big, you're going to get paid like a, like you should, uh, like a national championship coach. And, uh, you know, he had his kids uh, graduated high school here a couple of years ago. I think he might still have a kid in school. Um He liked it here. So it was just a good fit. Plus, since he's been here, we may have talked about this before. Since he's been here, who knows what's going to happen come uh, football season when they open the season August 31st against Notre Dame. But every step he's made, um, I I think, has been a positive one from rebuilding strained relationships with the Texas High School Coaches Association, and they were very Mm. strong, to making – uh, good uh, decisions on dismissals from the coaching staff and additions what we think are good additions to the coaching staff to getting uh very active in the transfer portal to build depth. And then, uh, you know, any coach coming over um, in December is going to have some trouble with the recruiting class. I mean, Jimbo recruited great here, but his first recruiting class here was ranked 17th in the country.
0: Uh, yeah.
1: So, uh, but uh, they have a chance to – and they're kind of expected to sign a kid that's, I think, like the number of top 15 prospect in the country on Wednesday. And if he does that, I think that will close out what would have been a very positive uh, – or as positive as a, a high school recruiting class as you can get. So uh, he brought in good coaches. Everybody's excited about Tommy Moffat, the strength and conditioning coach who was at – LSU as strength and conditioning coach for national championships under Saban, Orgeron, and uh, Miles. And then when Brian Kelly came down, he had his guy from Notre Dame. So he he fired uh, Tommy and Moffitt. Moffitt just went into private business. And he was telling us we had him on uh, earlier this week. Uh, and he was saying that when Mike got the job at AM and he saw that his the uh, strength and conditioning coach at Duke didn't didn't follow him uh moffett got on the phone and he said he was the one that uh, was pursuing the job it was kind of like if bobby flay calls you up and says hey i want to cook you dinner you go oh really yeah come on so yeah I think, kind of situation so um they love uh, everybody's excited about colin klein being offensive coordinator doing oh yeah some, he did some good things at kansas state so um you know you again we never know until the season actually gets here but it appears that all the steps he's taken uh, since he's got here, are positive ones.
0: This is a crazy world we're in. You're re-recruiting your roster. You're managing NIL. You're managing the portal. Uh, more moving parts than most people can even count. How is Mike Elko doing with managing all the the chaos that that we live with in college football today? Well, I've
1: done well. You know, yeah, did the Aggies lose some guys. Sure, you know the big names they lost were uh, Walter Nolan, who transferred to um, Ole Miss and uh, uh, Evan Stewart transferred to Oregon. There were others, you know, uh, Fidel Diggs went on up to Syracuse. He'd graduated and um, the A&M defensive line coach, uh, Eli Robinson went up to Syracuse as a co-defense coordinator. So he, uh, Fidel followed him. So and there were others. And so we figured that, but you know, he's brought in some guys that uh, at areas where they, that they need to boost depth and and quite frankly, get better. And, you know, after the spring, some of those guys are going to leave because they're not going to be probably in starting roles. And they understand that, but they brought in a, a lot of guys that they're excited about. Um, and uh, But mainly, they were able to keep some guys. Uh, Shamar Turner, who's a uh, guy that we think is going to play in the NFL, was playing really well early. Uh, he decided to forego the NFL and come back for a, a senior season. Shamar Turner, I'm sorry, Shamar Stewart, is a guy that was playing really well toward the end of last year. He's a sophomore out of Miami, and there was a lot of thought that he would probably go home, and he's no, I'm going to stay here. So, um, uh, Bryce Foster is a cent- the center that was a highly recruited guy, and he started for a couple years, decided he was going to come back. Ruben Owens, a five star running back from mm-hmm. last year, he's coming back. So, they actually had a lot more guys and bigger names or as big names decided to stay uh, and, uh, you know, kind of run it back with Elko, then left. But, um, you know, the when you lose a, a guy like Stewart that was – I think he was in that 2022 recruiting class, was considered the number one receiver, if not one of the top ones. And then uh, Walter Nolan was considered the number one player – uh, so when you lose those guys yeah that's going to get you know the the attention and what people are going to react to but really uh, i think they've done a heck of a job keeping the the nucleus of their lineup together and quite frankly i think i think they had championship caliber talent not saying that yeah. they but or would but that caliber and you saw them um, last year uh, going into the late in the fourth quarter with a chance to beat Alabama late in the fourth yeah. quarter with the lead over Ole Miss late in the uh, fourth quarter with the lead or not late, but in the fourth quarter with the lead at uh, Tennessee uh, in the fourth quarter within a touchdown of Miami and uh, couldn't close them out. So yeah. uh, with some better coaching and better scheme and some of the things I've heard about, I, I, I mentioned earlier that you, you hear things, people are willing to talk, you yeah. want to- well, if some of the things we heard, um, you're kind of scratching your head and say, "Man, they were lucky to win seven games." Yeah. So we'll see if they get more organized and better coaching. You know, we'll see if they can, uh, you know, bounce back strong. It's been known to happen. We'll see if it can happen at a And M.
0: Yeah, I think what's interesting is that like they rarely got blown out of games the last two years, but losing close only keeps you employed at, at one team in this league. And and so when when you don't win games you you're, you're going to be gone, but I want to I, I go back to media days. You and I were both in the room, I think, when Jimbo Fisher spoke, and it was the Are you going to let Bobby Petrino run the offense? And, and he took about three minutes to, to run a, around the room and back with his answer. And I'm like, why, why was that not a simple answer? How did that, I mean, I know the narrative is ultimately it's going to be his offense, but some things you just said prompt some questions here.
1: Yeah. Uh, that that was the first uh, red flag of this season.
0: Yeah. We
1: brought in a guy like Petrino who has a history of putting explosive offenses out there. And then you said, well, you know, the the actual quote was something like, uh, yeah, he's going to have input. I'm going to have input. All the coaches are going to have input. And you're like, what? All the coaches are going to have input on the play call? No wonder why you're always getting uh delay of games. Yeah. <laughs> all stars. Everybody, you know, it just didn't make sense. And you trans uh, look at that opposite to the way the same question was asked of Eli Drinkwitz. And he said, oh, yeah, the – you know, I can't even remember their offensive coordinator's name, but, you know, I brought him in here. I looked at It's said, his,
0: Kellen Moore, yeah.
1: And, and, and he's going to call the plays, and, you know, that was it. And, yeah. looking, uh, A&M did not – they had offensive troubles, and they did not live up to expectations. And Missouri went out and exceeded expectations. And I think so much with A&M, it comes back to – um it comes back and it, you know, there's no there's no question it comes back to coaching. i mean you look at their talent and i just the, the 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 guys that left so many people uh you know wanted them yeah and there were guys that were uh i know for a fact that were pursued by other programs that decided to stay so i really don't think talent was a problem and it's sad because jimbo yeah. started off really really well here and the yeah. first years uh, everybody was happy with him. And the fourth year, they gave him a pass because his quarterback got hurt. So he was going with a backup quarterback. And then they lost to Appalachian State in year five. And you're like, okay, this, yeah, this doesn't make a lot of sense. And then they just do the same things over and over. And I was up in the press box with the guy that I'm on the radio with, David Nunio here, in a couple of games. I'm And I, and we were marking, I'm saying, okay, this is going to be a run here. This is going to be, and I got yeah. 75- 75. <laughs> right. So, it, it, it ran incredibly uh, predictable. So you're going to bring in Bobby Petrino and it's like, okay, this is going to be different. They got all these receivers and Petrino, yeah. and it wasn't. So then it became pretty clear that if Bobby Petrino, he may be calling the plays, but they're not his plays. Yeah. And we used yeah. to, we uh, used the Bobby Flay reference again, because we were saying that's like, having Bobby Flay come in to cook you a meal, but saying, yeah, you're we want you to cook it, but we're going to give you the ingredients and the recipe and you cannot yeah. you, go away from, you can't stray from that. It has to be. And it's like, well then what's the difference? One well, what, what
0: of the greatest skills in life is just being able to get out of your own way.
1: Uh, yeah. And you know, I look at what Alabama did last year when uh, they were struggling at quarterback and they said, all right, mm. Milrose, our guy, now what we have to do is change our offense for him and yeah. figure out what he does best and put him in the best situations for him. And I don't, I think I, it got to the point, I think Jimbo was like, no, no, look, this worked for me at Florida state 10 years ago. And so yeah. I know it's going to work. And you're like, well, you know, I always <laughs> like, oh, said that's like the guy who rode the, Winner of the Kentucky Derby. And 10 years later he's saying, Look, I'm still hitting the horse the same way. I'm still feeding him the same thing. Why isn't he running this fast? It just it just everybody lost faith in Jimbo and what he was trying to do because people were trying to tell him it's not working, and he refused yeah. to acknowledge it. And one of the worst things that happened to him in a way was uh in at the end of the 2022 season, you'll remember they'd had this terrible season. They were four and seven and then they go out uh in the last game against lsu and run up and down the field yeah on a chain <laughs> but they run up and down the field and joe came out into the press box and said, see i told you it's just a matter of <laughs> and you're like Geez. yeah
0: yeah so I-, uh,
1: <laughs> I think mike is more uh um, open to letting his offensive coordinator coordinate i
0: would i would hope so um all right, when the when the book is that was funny. When the book was written, when the book is one day written on the the great nil class of twenty twenty two, what what's going to be fact? What's going to be fiction?
1: Okay, the first fiction is nobody wants to hear this. I, I have friends in the media that I heard even referencing it the other day, uh, and I think it's a um, you know it's it's an indictment on today's media. But a yeah. guy named Slice Bread puts out that AM spent $30 million on their recruiting class. Uh, you know, that's preposterous. Uh, in fact, the, the vast majority of that recruiting class was committed, uh, even before the NIL was, you know, the Supreme court ruled r- ruling, uh, and a big part of it was from Houston. like, well, there's a shocker that guys from Houston would come to Texas AM, you know, uh, so that's the number one fallacy. I'm not saying that they weren't active in uh, in NIL; they were, just like everybody else was, uh, and they might have even been a little bit ahead of the game. But it wasn't to the ex- it wasn't even close to the extreme yeah. that they were making it out to be. So that's the number one fallacy. Uh, I think uh, what you hear people say that uh, there was a bad culture, and that's mm true and I think they were doing some, some of the bad culture involved guys that have left to go to other programs uh, yeah. one left and he went to Ole Miss and he didn't even last at Ole Miss through spring drills uh, yeah. so oh uh, yeah so
0: I remember that uh, one
1: and there were others uh, yeah. so um, I think uh, that was absolutely true you know you, you probably heard the story about at the South Carolina game there were four guys doing the uh weed vaping in the uh yeah. in their uniforms in the locker room well you, you know uh i once heard and i don't know how true this true this is but i once heard that Debo swinney uh there's certain guys he wouldn't recruit no matter how talented they were cuz he just didn't yeah. feel like fit the the culture and i think a&m got uh and i think jimbo and a&m got to that point in that year like we'll take anybody because we yeah. want to have class and without saying, well, first of all, do we need three tight ends? Right. So, but, but this guy's got a, you know, he's highly rated. So let's take him. Do you need, is is this guy going to be, does he have some baggage or the red flags? Yeah, but let's take him anyway. And, uh, uh, you know, and I think that cost them. And, you know, so when people say that, yeah, that they were taking guys, no matter, no matter what, and, if, and they had a bad culture because of it. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I I don't think coaches take that into account. Or, and I think it's harder to now because the parts are moving so quickly and you got to move so quickly on players. I, I don't know how coaches do it.
1: Well, you know, uh, it is difficult. And uh, I think that's why uh, you get paid a crazy
0: lucrative yeah.
1: Because you got to deal with headaches. Uh yeah. if it was easy, you know, maybe you wouldn't get paid so much. I don't think they'll. They, I don't see a whole lot of guys, you know, uh, deciding that they don't want to be college football coaches anymore uh, because yeah. of it. they get older. You we know, saw,
0: you saw one, but...
1: yeah. But I'm not seeing a whole lot. I'm not seeing a mass exodus because oh gosh, now I have to figure out if this guy is 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 going to be a problem and and. Yeah. Uh, you know, everything that goes with college football now. I mean, there's just too much money at, at stake. And, um, and I, you know, some guys will adapt and some will adjust and some will flourish uh, in the new system we have. And those coaches, you know, are, are going to be the next, uh, those that adapt are going to be the next wave of great coaches. And everybody down here hopes that Mike Hilco is one of them.
0: What did you make of the infamous Walter Nolan tweet on his way out?
1: Uh, something about make sure you read your contract.
0: Yeah, I, I don't have it in front of me, but that yes, that one.
1: Something like, yeah. Uh, Well, first of all, I think it's great advice. Yeah. For, you're going to get involved with something. Look, um, I know a couple of guys here, and I'm sure this is something that Walter was, uh, I would assume, because it was – Kind of cryptic beyond that. So, so what are you saying? Yeah. But I know of two guys that their NIL deal included a car, use of a car, and they went into the transfer portal, and they were surprised to find out that they no longer got the use of the car. Huh? No. Now, why would they? Right?
0: <laughs> so, uh,
1: and and you know what? Um, both of them went back, came back to Am. So they yeah. get, the, I'm assuming, <laughs> but um, so I, you know, I I don't know. Other than look, I, I know some of the guys that that run the collective, and yeah. they're uh, people want to say act like they're not, but they're above board. Um, you know, because I hear guys on nationals, I think it's just lazy. But you can always say, well, A&M's yes. Good. So even well, though I mean, the the team I'd be looking at right now is, hey, what's Ohio State doing? look at all the Yeah. Guys. When right. when the
0: collective is tweeting, "Hey, look what we just did."
1: Right. Yeah. So, but I don't have a problem with cuz that's what it is now. But, right. But I would think that uh maybe I'm assuming Walter decided to go into the uh into the transfer portal and his deal got cut off. Mhm. So maybe you better read your whole contract, which is what he said, because maybe it tells you that if you go into the portal, you're going to have your, your, your deal is nullified.
0: Yeah. Funny. Like if you, if you quit working at tech sags, um, they, they might quit paying you. They probably would. Yeah. <laughs> probably, <laughs> I'm going guess that might happen. Uh, last thing on the way out it's hard to even keep track of who has what anymore. A and M obviously has resources. It's got a it got a tradition. It, it's had a recent history of winning three years ago and getting nationally relevant. Um I think AM made an improvement in in the coaching department. And all of a sudden you look around the playing field's level. Nick Saban's no longer here. Um you got teams like Missouri and Alabama popping, or Missouri and Ole Miss popping up as, as being playoff contenders. It's crazy. I don't know how to make sense of it yet. And who's who's a contender? Who's a? I mean, I think we can say Ohio State, Georgia are going to be up there. After that, hard to say. What is your gut feeling in where Texas A and M falls in the pecking order of of playoff contenders for next year?
1: Well, right now, um, look, we've learned. We, you know, here, um, not to take anything for granted. Yeah. Um, like I said, I would look at, I would go down the list of A&M's roster and I say, man, that's a championship roster, caliber. But uh, so we've learned not to do that. I would, if, if somebody said, hey, you got to pick a a, a a record for AM next year, I'd say eight and four. Mm-hmm. But I think the pot, I think the potential is, is greater. Much greater than that. But we, you know, we've learned. Look, you had a coach here that had won a national championship at Florida State and typically won 10 games a year. And he got here. And yeah, he, got, he, he did some good things here, but it, it fizzled out. Um, I think they're taking the whole uh, Missouri approach these days and just say, you know, show me. So, yeah. um, I think there's a, some optimism, uh, but I think it's, you know, we've learned to be cautiously optimistic and um, don't look at it last year. You could look at it and think, okay, you know what? They're going to beat Miami. Well, and they probably would have, if, if they would have done some things differently and rush the passer and, you know, th- other things that you just scratch your head and say, well, "What are they doing?" Yeah, they, you know, they can beat Tennessee. Well, yeah, they could have if, if you decide on fourth and to go for it on fourth and one and said, "Hey, maybe a quarterback sneak could be a good idea," instead of running some play that you know that didn't make sense. Uh, so you look at it and you say, "All right, there's talent here. They could they be better at receiver? Yeah, and they're working on that, but." There's talent here. They'll, they'll probably be better on defense. Uh, and they were and they weren't bad. They weren't great, but they weren't no. bad. Um, they'll, they'll probably be better on the offensive line because I don't see how they can be worse. Um, so there's some talent on hand. Is it going to be managed better? Is it going to be coached better? We think so, but not enough to say, okay, uh I, I don't think anybody at AM is going to be offended if the Aggies aren't in the preseason top 25, right? Yeah. But there are going to be those who say, you know what? They could work their way up and, you know, be ranked and maybe higher than people think if, um, you know, if they're better coached. They've got a good quarterback. They got talent uh, at running back. They th- th- Their offensive line wasn't very good, but there's better a, a new offensive line coach, and they've got guys coming back. Uh, they had a tight end that, that was really good as a freshman. They got hurt and didn't play last year. He's back. And like I said, with the exception of the linebacker position, um, I think the uh, I think the defense will be better. I think they'll be just as good, if not better, in the defense fresh. You know, they got a kid from uh Purdue transfer in. Uh he's originally from Bryan, Texas, which is like a sister city of College Station. And he led the pack, I'm sorry, he led the Big Ten in Sacks last year. So he decided to come home. And that was a big get. So I think they'll be as good, if not better, in the defensive line. I think they're going to be much better in the secondary. I don't know how you lose a guy like Edger and Cooper at linebacker and get better. Yeah. But uh, uh, so there's talent there. Uh, and we think there's going to be better coaching, but I don't think you're at a point now to to assume anything. You can feel good about eight and four, maybe better, maybe better. But I don't think you're at a point here at AM uh to assume anything. You can be a you can be optimistic, but to just say, Okay, yeah, I'm gonna go down the schedule and say, Oh, they're gonna beat this guy, they're gonna beat LSU this year, they're gonna beat Texas, they're gonna open up and beat Notre Dame. Um, I don't think you uh you just circle. There's not many games in there that you circle so that's a win. Yeah. I think every game, I think every game you can circle and say you can win this one. But I don't yeah. think then he lets you go and say, okay, yeah, this and we we we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and count this as a W. And I, yeah,
0: not- I, I agree with you. I mean, Texas if any year is gonna be tough. Um but I mean I'm looking, you know, there's Florida's winnable even on the road, Arkansas, Mississippi State, South Carolina. Uh, you know, it, it it I look at the schedule, it could have been worse.
1: And look at uh look at the really good teams on the AM schedule and look where they're playing. Notre, yeah, Notre
0: Dame at home, Texas at home, LSU at home.
1: Missouri's here. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you, uh, again, if you do a better job coaching and uh, you got players, you know, you could, you could, you could be better than people think, but you're not going to, I don't think you're going to see or you shouldn't see anybody from AM just beating their t- chest and say, by gosh, we're going to win the national, we're going to win the SEC or, you know, we're going to play off. And, and no, I think you've learned that you need to, just take it week. The, the old coach is lying. The old coach could say, man, and it really can apply here more than anywhere. Just take a week to week. Olin, thank you so much
0: for your, your time with us today. You guys at tex are the best in the business. You're, you're one of the best human beings in the business yeah. that really enjoyed spending time with you over the years. Tell folks about your coverage where they can find it.
1: Uh, yeah. If you ever want to give us a, uh, uh, give us a look, check us out at texags.com. It's just an abbreviated version of Texas Aggies, texags.com. Yeah. You can follow us on, I guess they call it X now. Uh, yeah. X-ags. you can follow texags on Twitter slash X. You can even, if you feel so inclined, you can follow me, uh, on Twitter slash X at Ola Buchanan. All you got to do is know how to spell my name and it's right down there. So, uh, hit if you would.
0: Owen, appreciate it again. Uh, we'll we'll catch up with you soon for we'll we'll find a reason. Maybe basketball. That that's getting kind of interesting.
1: Chris, I hope to see you in uh, uh, in Nashville. You will in, in mid March next month.
0: Yes, yes. Bring your jacket <laughs> <laughs> and take it home this time too. And take it home with you this time. That's right. All right. He's Owen Buchanan. I'm Chris Lee. This is Southeastern 14, presented by Bet Online. Yeah.